This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. If you're joining in right now, grab a cup of coffee, put your fricking feet up. If you've got kids running around you, put the laundry down. Don't worry about the dishes in the sink. Sit your butt down. Join us for a coffee, please. Today I have Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, podcast host, <laughs> and Bravo reality TV star, Allie Levine here. <laughs> She's been up all night with a teething baby. And we're going to talk about real raw motherhood and dive into her journey to becoming a mom, what her experience has been like. We're going to talk about her journey through postpartum. Did you have postpartum depression or anxiety or a combination of both? It was mostly depression was what like, you know, was diagnosed, but I do believe there was a little piece of anxiety with it because I just didn't know who I was. Like you were saying when we first started, like I put lipstick on today just to be like, Hey, I'm half human. There was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of that heavy anxiety that came around the postpartum depression of like, who am I? And like, what do I grip onto? And so I do feel like there was a combination of anxiety, even though I was told it was pure depression. I feel like that's so often the case. And these diagnoses can kind of be like this blanket statement when, as it's a box, you just right? mentioned, we're humans, we feel yeah. all the things, it's all yeah. sort of intertwined. Okay, so take me back to the period of deciding that you wanted to be a mom. Was this planned? Were you like, this is my dream to become a mom? You had a career. Like, how did it happen? How did it all roll out? Oh, wow. Okay. And real with you, um, I know I did not want to become a mom. I love being a mom and I'm so grateful that God had other plans for me. But my mom would tell me when I was growing up that my brothers and I, you know, three of us, that we were like her greatest gift. Like no matter what she did in life, she'd be like, you guys are my greatest gift. You are my greatest accomplishment. And I used to look at her Aaron, like, I wish you crazy. Like I, <laughs> I seriously, I used to look at her and I'd be like, what? Like what do you mean? And she'd be like, no, because I watch you grow and, and raise you and all these things and you're amazing humans. And I'd be like, okay. You know, it's like, not for terrible. me, mom, not, not right. for me. Right. And I, you know, my dad now he's, you know, over 60 and he's still a hustler starting a new business during the pandemic, you know, just like gold. <laughs> and I would watch him and I'd be like, dad, can I go with you to your meetings? Dad, can I skip school today to like go sit in on like what you're doing? Like, and he would take me, I would sit in and listen and just be quiet at like all of nine years old. He was the first, you know, office I worked at. So I was always like, I feel like that entrepreneur, that business woman, I wanted to be all those things. Yes. So when he said to me, do you want to have children? It was like, <laughs> no, because I was like, my career is my baby, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I dated a lot of guys that were totally cool with that. They were like, yeah, I have a kid down the road at some point, like whatever, like I don't need it. It's whatever. And then <laughs> I met my husband and Justin came to um, a party at my apartment. I'm from New York. I moved out to Los Angeles over a decade ago now. And I was at my apartment in Hoboken with a couple of friends and they brought him over and he starts like talking to me and his personality. He's so like, just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, here, who's, is this who I am? Take it or leave it. And, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so that's how he was when he started talking to me. He's like, so what's your deal? Like, what do you do? You know, and I was at the time, you know, working in corporate design. So I worked in fashion 
been, I was designing for coaching handbags. I'd just been promoted doing a ton of designs. And I was like, oh, I'm in the design world. Like, I love it. I want to be a head designer one day, you know, all these things. And he's like, cool, cool. He's like, you know, so like talking about just like all things life and like, you know, and I'm just like, okay, cool. Yeah, he's cool. But like, he's got a lot of questions, whatever. You know, I'm just like, you know, just like, you're really asking me a lot. You just kind of met me. Okay. You know, it's funny. It's terrible to say that, but it was like, at the time I had dated guys that didn't really cared too much about me. I thought they did, but you know, uh, you, we learn. Right. And so fast forward to, you know, him and I starting to date and questions started coming up. Like, so do you want to be a mom one day? And I was like, <laughs> who are you first of all yes (laughs) you know and he was like well I really want you know children at some point and I was like okay we like been dating for like a hot month okay (laughs) you know (laughs) where's the door (laughs) and he was you know he just was a guy who and still is who just very much knew what he wanted out of life what was important to him family was always that. And he was just like, well, you know, I really like you and I, you know, really care about you. And I just want you to know like where I stand. And I was just like, oh, and I remember calling my best friend and being like, so I really like this guy, but like, I don't think I want to have kids. And she was like, well, I mean, it's still new. So I guess like feel it out and see how you feel. But like, if that's where he's at, like, that's where he's at. And I was just like, okay, thanks. You know, <laughs> thanks to the advice. That wasn't really advice. And fast forward, you know, a few more months and we started taking him to like all these, you know, family events and introducing everybody. And before I knew it, he was like very much in my life. And it was becoming very real that like he could be my future. And though I did not plan on it, you know, and he said to me again, he's like, so, you know, you said, you're not sure if you want to be a mom. Like I kind of need to know that like, maybe one day you'll be open to that because if I'm going to like continue to date you, like he was very transparent and like forward. Like if we're going to keep going, then I need to know it's going to be this. Cause if not, like, I'm not going to waste my time. And I was like, Oh damn. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is so refreshing to hear this side of the story because usually it's the woman who's like, are we getting married? Are we having kids? And the guy's like, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and so this is flipped, yes, which can totally absolutely flipped. be the case. He's an old school, you know, Italian guy comes from an amazing family and, you know, was raised with, you know, just those types of values. Yeah. A lot of New York guys are. And he was just like, I want to know, like, you're going to be my wife and you're going to be the mother of my children one day. And I was like, wife, I can do not sure about mother, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> you know, and I told him, I said, I guess I could be open to it. I'm down, down, down the road. I have a career. And then, you know, we kept dating and I got into the entertainment industry. You know, I got into movies in New York. Another long story short, the stock market crashed completely. New York was just like totally under and my design job was gone. Gone. And I went from being like the head of, like, you're on unemployment, you know? (laughs) How's that for an ego check, you know? (laughs) I was like, okay. I felt like I knew everything I was doing. Mm, Not so much. It was so intense. And I felt like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So I started calling around and thank God I had friends and family in different parts of the industry. And I said, hey, I just need a job. What should I do? You know, and they were like, well, we can get you an interview with, you know, this movie that's coming to New York. Oliver Stone needs like a production assistant and da, 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 you know, the famous Oliver Stone. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure, sign me up. I'll go for the interview. You know, <laughs> I just need a job. Give me a job. I'm not someone who does well with sitting home and doing nothing. So it was like, I need a job, you know? And so I go and I get this interview. Long story short, they tell me basically it's 
bitch work. There's nothing to do with fashion costume. It's just, yes, you need to go get coffee. That's it. Yes. Like go get coffee. I was like, okay, go get coffee. Okay. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started working for them and it was the most intense, but amazing job I've ever had because it really held me accountable because they have you do so much and expect you to do it all and don't really care if you fail or not because they'll just replace you. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, you know, and so it was like baptism by fire is how I felt. And I just got right in and I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this ever trending lifestyle is constantly moving no matter what. You don't know what the next day is. You have to be up at 4 a.m. one day, you're there till midnight one night. Like it was just like nuts, but I loved it. And so fast forward, I got a bunch of jobs doing it. I did really well in it. I got moved over into like shopping and costume. And then I got asked to go to Atlanta and I worked on Big Mama's house. And the team was from LA there. And they were like, what are you doing in New York? And I was like, I'm from New York. What do you mean? And they were like, well, you know, for what you want to do and like talk about fashion, you did all this design, like you should be doing it in LA. And I was like, well, I'm originally from, you know, New York and I, you know, I've always pretty much been in New York except for college for a couple of years. Like I've always been here, you know, and they were like, well, we'll help you if you want to come out to LA, like we'll get you situated. You can work with us. So how many times in your life, right? Anyone listening, someone turned to you and say like, I will set you up. Do you yeah. say no? You know no. what I mean? Like you, you say just, yes. That's a big Y-E-S. Yeah. Yes. yes, exactly. So I did. And I turned to Justin who, you know, was living with me at the time and we were really starting to get into it in our lives. And I said, Hey, I know I've been in Atlanta for a couple of months, but um, I'm going to go to LA. <laughs> and he was like back in New York and he was visiting me and he was like, oh, okay. I guess I'll go with you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love this guy. I have to press pause for one second on this story because I was, you know, like trying to get a sense of who is Allie and what, you know, where do we want to take this conversation? And so then I clicked over into Justin's Instagram page as we do when we're stalking somebody and I scrolled (laughs) down, like, you know, when you kind of try to go a bit deeper, the first picture I saw of him was him lying butt naked on the floor with the dog on his chest. And I was like, what is happening right here? We're getting there. We're getting there. Yes. Oh my God. I can't. So there's the little teaser as to who this man is. And we'll find out in a moment as to what the hell was going on in that photo. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. You're so funny. Oh my God. So That'd be fun to explain to my girls one day. So fast forward, I go to LA. He comes with me. He had never been past Florida in his life. And I remember his mom saying to me like, well, he must love you because he's going 3000 miles away from me. My only son. And I was like, sorry, mom. <laughs> guilt trip. Pack your bag. You're going on a guilt trip. Uh, you know, he had just two kids, but her only son and her oldest, you know, and I was like, okay, oh, feel that, you know? And so out to LA, we went, I started working, you know, it, with, for them and realized again, I was not really thriving in what I was doing and said, okay, what do I want to be doing? And styling was what I realized, even though I had no experience, I wanted to learn. So I started interning all over again, doing jobs for free just to get my foot in the door on weekends. I believe God blessed me. And at some point from working hard and just getting in with the right situations, I ended up building Halloween design and my clients started getting best dressed that were kind of like no name people that all of a sudden were getting known in the space. And then next thing I know, all of a sudden you're this celebrity stylist and everyone's like, oh, so-and-so got that dressed and so-and-so is in Us Weekly and your name's here. And we want to talk about the woman behind the dressing. And it was like, oh, okay. okay. You know, like, yeah. Okay. Here we, here we go. We've we, we arrived, you know? Yes. <laughs> and so it's a very fast version, but you know, and then fast forward, started asking on camera, 
styling different people. I was styling a lot of different rules crew and housewives and all different people giving fashion tips on, you know, national networks, telling them how to dress like them and different celebs and public figures. And it was quite surreal, to be honest. And that's when Bravo came to me and said, we're doing this show called Strict. It's a reality documentary series. Now, mind you, being super transparent and honest, being, you know, in LA and seeing everything. And, you know, you're so, I think for me, at least I was so entranced by the glam and the Hollywood flying here and doing this and doing that, that I was kind of in my own reality that I didn't really have a reality. And I was just like, Ooh, this is so cool. And I'm gonna do a reality show and I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And I was so in it. Right. And I was trying for all these fashion reality shows and all this stuff, but nothing was happening. And I was just like, okay, whatever, something will come. So sure enough, Bravo comes and says, we're doing this show and it's a reality docu-series, but it has nothing to do with fashion, but it has to do with you and your life and the fact that you're a celebrity stylist and we want to have everything taken away from you for 21 days and see how you react. You were like, um, universe, this wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. Universe, I'm pretty sure I didn't write that down in my journal. Uh, no, that was not what I was manifesting. Maybe I needed to be more specific. I was supposed to have the glam squad on me and like Thank full you. makeup and hair and living Thank my you. best life. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't include you taking away my clothes and everything I own. And um, oh, by the way, you're going to be on this show totally vulnerable. So and they so, strip yeah. away everything Every. on the show. I had not heard of this show and think it is brilliant and cannot believe I missed it, but they come in and they pack up all the reality stars stuff, like everything, everything, makeup, jewelry, couch, like whole nine yards. They literally leave you with nothing. They take down pictures off your walls. They want it to be completely stripped down. The only thing they left because they couldn't get it out was our stove and they chained it up because it was like stuck to the wall. (laughs) The stove? Yeah, it was like, what? you know how some stoves are like, you know, like, I guess the way they put oh, yeah. the house, they couldn't move it. T- so they, I just am shocked they that they were taking it. people's stoves. Did yes, they take they your fridge? It. Yep, they chained it. <gasps> Let's just go back to the part where I said I saw Justin naked on the floor with a dog on his chest because this was a screenshot from the show. They literally take the clothes off your back. You are butt naked. So when you stand there at the end, when they take everything out, they move everything out. Movers come. It's like a 10 hour process. They move everything out. You're sitting there, by the way, they make you watch this all leave. And you just sit there and you're talking to them about how it feels to watch all your shit just leave. And you're sitting there and they say, okay, last piece of this. And they give you a box and they say, go ahead, take off your clothes, take off everything you own, put it in this box, give the box to us. There'll be a box sitting outside for each of you with what you can have. Water, food rations, like the military MREs, and toilet paper and that is it here's your box have a good day day zero wow and then every day you get to select one item that you want to bring back yes and so okay tell me (laughs) what you learned from this experience like this sounds so hard it was so hard and honestly I got pregnant shortly after filming the conversation on the show which is why I believe like God and my grandmother was on the other side all decided hey you want a reality show here you go this is going to be a learning situation for you it was so vulnerable the conversation of course being bravo they always have to bring drama right of course so the drama for me in my life was that I wasn't ready to have a baby and they very much tapped into that and it became very evident within a couple of days of us having conversations because they brought Justin into the show because they said oh we should have your husband and my husband like I said just doesn't give a fuck and he's like okay cool I'll do it and I'm like babe you want to do this with me he's like you'll be tripping out I'll be fine <laughs> oh my god totally <laughs> excuse me 
So the did. two of you were in the house together, yes. butt naked. No wonder you were pregnant by the end of it <laughs> with nothing to do. Right. <laughs> nothing to do. That's uh, makes sense. From no. like PG to, you know, rated R. And so, you know, during the show, they kept saying like, you're trying to get us to like, you know, have disagreements and fight. And we, we really aren't a couple who really argues very much. When we do, it's something heavy for us to get into because we're not yeah. ones that like you really get into it. And so when we did, it was like over the fact that he had followed me to Los Angeles. This was now yes. quite a few years in. Yes. He had given up his life, yes. everything he was doing to be here to support me. And he was happy to do it because he's my number one fan. But at the same time, it was like, okay, at some point, I hope you're going to give me a family and we're going to build a life here. And we're going to do some of those things at some point. And I just kept telling him, we will down the road, down the road, down the road, down the road. And I just kept saying that to him. And honestly, Aaron, I don't know what down the road was. I really don't. In my mind, I thought, well, hey, Rachel Zoe did it like 41. So maybe it'll be me for that. Like whatever, yes. you know, it was just like, I was not ready to give up anything that I was doing whatsoever. Cause that was my baby. You know, I come out to LA, I end up landing with all these people. I'm getting best dressed and all of a sudden my career took off. So who, how was I going to like, Oh, Hey, put this on pause while I figure out this, you know, mom situation. Yes. At that point, I wasn't subscribing to that channel. I was just not interested. And again, universe and God had other plans because during filming that came up, it was like, Allie, how come you don't want to be a mom? How come you don't, you know, want to embrace a new chapter. And I realized from having vulnerable conversations with my husband, and of course, Bravo digging so deep that I was burying a lot. I was not grieving my grandmother's death back in 2013. Yes. That I had really put under the rug. Like I, I realized that when I was having these conversations with them, it was like, she passed. And instead of me dealing with it, I got full blown into work and I've made work my focus and I made my success everything so that I didn't have to focus on my marriage, my personal life, my family, my grandmother, none of it. She was like my very best friend, like through my entire life. And so it was devastating for me. And so it was like, I I sat in that for a hot minute. And then I like totally just kind of went numb and said, I'm just not even going to pay attention to any of this. I'm going to numb myself and I'm just leave myself into business and just be, you know, so career oriented and be so successful at what I do. It doesn't matter that everything else is falling apart behind me. This is what's successful. This is what's in front of me. And that came real hard in front of me when I was doing the show, like, Hey, you pretty much have been kind of in a cave. You've dismissed your marriage. You barely pay attention to your friends and family. You don't even pay attention to you. Yes. You just give to others. And that's literally almost like your protection. The fact that like you just give to them and you ignore yourself and that's it. And hearing that and seeing that was a big wake up call. Wow. Wow. I think so many women, myself included, I mean, I can just resonate so much with what you're saying in that it's hard feeling the hard feelings, the sadness, the grief, the anger. And we find a lot of ways, whether it's food or alcohol or staying really busy or social media to keep those feelings sort of numbed out and to keep distracted from them. But in doing that, we run from a lot of the things that we know really bring joy and happiness and connection and a sense of belonging. Because you're scared, right? You're scared to maybe allow yourself to have joy. You're scared to maybe allow yourself to maybe think that there could be something more than what you're already doing. You feel like, well, this is working, you know, like it's broken, you know, it's not broken. Why fix it? We're told. Right. But I think that's actually a terrible line because it's like, there's so many things that are actually more broken than we give ourselves like actual credit for. And we look at it externally and think, well, it looks like it's not broken. 
So yes. That's it. But internally, it actually might be massively broken. And we've just chosen to say, oh, I just, it doesn't need to be fixed. And so for me, all that came up during Stripped. It was like, why do you answer your clients at 2 a.m.? Why are you never home for your husband? Why are you so focused on only making celebrities happy? Why are you giving your power away and not worrying about yourself and just saying, I'll figure myself out years down the road. Yes. I'm doing this with them right now. And I didn't realize, like, I was pretty much just living my life only through them. I wasn't even living my life. It's like no boundaries whatsoever. Mm. And that was hard. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. All right. So sometimes companies will send me a product to try. And about a year ago, I received this cool teeth whitening kit from a company called High Smile. To be completely honest, part of me was like, yes, give me the red carpet, shiny, glossy white teeth so that I look like I have an Insta filter on me 24 seven. But another part of me was terrified to use it because truly my teeth are as sensitive as my soul, which is really, really freaking sensitive. That kit sat on our bathroom counter for months and I couldn't get up the nerve to do it because I've had such awful experiences with whitening strips and even using a dentist for whitening. So here's the deal. I would never lie to you girls because it's taken so much time to build up what we've got going on, but I want you to know I finally tried High Smile. I had zero sensitivity, like none, no 
sensitivity whatsoever. Here's the best part. High Smile just released a brand new kit with an even more effective formulation. So whiter teeth, it's been clinically trialed for effectiveness and came back with 0% sensitivity across all participants. It's so easy to use. There are no awkward strips or expensive visits to the dentist. And most importantly, no sensitivity. High Smile uses wireless LED light technology to whiten with six daily uses and without any harmful peroxides. With over 25,000 five-star reviews, I am not the only one impressed with High Smile. If you're interested in brightening your smile, visit highsmile.com. That's H-I-smile.com and look out for their brand new kit. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm so happy that you're talking about this because it's interesting to think about whether Bravo would have found a story on a man who didn't want to have kids because he was pursuing his career. And I'm curious to know for the individuals who are listening right now, what bubbles up for you when you're hearing Allie say, like, I didn't want kids. I just wanted to focus on growing my career. I don't think women are as supported in going after that dream. And I'm hearing you loud and clear that there are a lot of reasons why you were pushing towards that. But it popped up for me that I feel like we can put a lot of labels on women who are really career driven, who perhaps don't want kids. And yet the same standard isn't necessarily held for men. If there's a man who's like driven in his career and answering emails at 2 a.m. and like flying around for business and not really interested in kids, we're, that's just sort of norm. norm. It's oh. okay. You don't have to go to counseling and strip down on Bravo to figure yourself out. <laughs> right. It's interesting. I mean, obviously you discovered so much that is really empowering and important. It made me do, uh, I love what you said. It made me do a lot of work. You know, I hadn't sat with myself, like you said uh, before, you have to really feel and you have to really experience the feelings. I numb myself. So I really didn't experience feelings for a long time. And I think that became very evident and very obvious on the show. And everyone doesn't understand that, like, you know, obviously when they're watching it, they're like, oh God, you know, she's crying at the red carpet, this, that. But for me, like, it was my life. Like, yes, it was a show, but it was my life. I was living it. Like, I didn't get to shut it off. I didn't get to just say like, oh, okay, stop filming. Like, I mean, there was a point where I was bawling my eyes out. And my husband said like, okay, enough. Like we're done today. You know? And they were like, no, no, no. She's still, she's still divulging. And he was like, no, no, no. She's having a breakdown. Like we're done. We're done. You know, like it, it was, I mean, it was intense. You know, it really forced me to go deep and see, you know, my emotions that I was hiding. It really forced me to say, wow, I'm not present in my marriage. Like I really mm-hmm. don't, you know, this man who followed me, you know, across the country who loves me madly. Like I really don't even pay him much attention. I love him, but I don't really like actually give him my attention. I don't really make eye contact with him until now, or we're mm-hmm. sitting here because it's just us and there's no distractions. And it's mm-hmm. literally the two of us, you know, especially the first few days where we don't have any communication. We didn't have phones. Like you're just sitting together. So it's like, wow, what do we talk about? Everything. Like, you know, I mean, it was like, holy crap. How do you entertain yourself all day? You know, it was, it was, it was wild, but I really believe like, you know, God and my grandmother on the other side, like, you know, they gave it to me because it was like, this is your lesson. This is something that, you know, you need to learn. Sorry, you have to learn it on a reality show, Wow, um, you know, but it was, it really was. I feel like it was a lot of people say like there's blessings and there's lessons. It was a little bit of both for me, I think with this show. 
It forced me to see so many dark shadows that I didn't want to see. It forced me to feel. I mean, it forced me to face things that I, you know, I think I was covering up in the wardrobe and in the styling and the character of Allie of Celebrity Stylist. I wasn't dealing with Allie in a lot of ways, you know, and then I get pregnant, you know, shortly after filming. And I really believe that's because we talk so much on the show about like, you know, why I didn't want to have a baby and why I didn't want to be a mom. Why didn't think I'd be a good mom and all these things that were kind of like just limiting beliefs that I was giving myself that I felt I couldn't do all those things, right? We get told a lot that like, how are you going to be able to be a mom? And how are you going to be a coach? And how are you going to do this? And society kind of tells us like, we'll pick one, like you don't, totally. you don't all done, right? Oh my God. Yes. I felt this. So, I mean, so much of your story is resonating. I did know that I always wanted to have kids but I don't know if I ever would have felt ready. I got pregnant on our honeymoon and I was Mm -hmm. not ready. Yeah. Like my plan was two years, probably three years. I wanted to focus on my career. (laughs) And to be honest, when I found out I was pregnant, I cried. My husband was so happy and so exciting. And that's really hard to say because a, I know so many women who are trying to get pregnant, who are struggling, who are praying Mm -hmm. for it. B, my kids are my, like, just greatest joy. I I would never trade it them for a million, even though it's like hard, I would never trade them. So I never would almost want them to hear that. I didn't know them yet at that point. I know. I just know their souls. I know. I I feel the same way. I know. I, I feel the same way. I like, I look at my life now and I get choked up because I'm like, those girls are the brightest lights of my life. Like, I can't believe I didn't want this. And and you're right. It's like that you feel bad because there's so many women who do want this so much. And I know from like day one, they always wanted this, but it's just like, I don't know, maybe that's for, for us to actually have that deep appreciation to like, know how, you know, how amazing, you know, children are, but I, you know, I was so grateful after going through it because it opened me up so much to, I am wanting to be a mom. I, I didn't know I wanted these things, but I think that again, the universe and God really felt like I maybe wasn't learning my full lesson because when you were asking about the postpartum depression in the beginning of this, yes. so I had Amelia, had a pretty traumatic birth. Long story short, I wanted a natural water birth, wanted a C-section after 42 hours. It was very intense. Oh my God. And yeah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a lot, a lot of time to be in labor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 30 hours natural, 12 hours of the hospital, you know, later on C-section. It was intense. Oh God. Send her a medal, please. <laughs> Somebody send her like, why are we giving rewards to women or awards to women for best dressed when there needs to be a fucking Academy Awards show for mothers? Yes. We should Who had the longest labor. <laughs> Seriously, who has the longest labor? Who's gone through the most with their body? Like, let's just share it all. <laughs> Put it all out there. Put it all out there. Give these women some gold. Send them some diamonds, actually. Screw the Amen. statue. Yes. We need, we need rings. We need, <laughs> like, you. forget the statue, the bling. Yeah. We need it all. Okay. So you have this epically long, traumatic birth. Totally traumatic. Yeah. One out, up at home, bedridden, you know, for quite a while. Didn't drive for like nine weeks now. Why I said it was, I think, a, a lesson for me in my mind. First off, being again super transparent, and people are going to hear this and be like, "Wow, what an idiot!" or "Wow, I can't believe she did that." But fine. When I was in labor, I was answering text messages about styling. Mm. Mm. Yeah, couldn't let go. That was still my world, even though I was like in labor, and I was like, you know, this was the most important thing to focus on. I felt like I needed to answer clients that were hammering me about a dress that needed this. And granted, my team was totally on it, 
but they were still texting me. And I didn't realize at that time that they were really coming through my, you know, my walls, my boundaries. They were shaking that up and being like, oh, too bad. I need to talk to you regardless that you're in labor. And I couldn't see that there was a problem with that. My husband kept saying, like, give me the phone. Like, you're in labor. Like, you need to rest. You need to relax. You know, my doula was like, finally took my phone, you know, and I was like, guys. And they were like, no, you need to be present. You need to focus. But I do believe that was a huge impact on everything that was going on because I was somewhere else for quite a bit of time until I got really laser focused and got really into the labor. So fast forward to my C-section and then being home and bedridden again, I said to all my team and my clients, I'll be back on set in a couple of weeks. I'll just bring the baby. I'll have her on me. Don't worry. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> And so then afterwards, I did start forcing myself. I started throwing myself into set and my mom was in town. So my mom would have Amelia and I would just be like, oh, it's fine. I'm on set and I'm doing my thing. And then I would catch myself being in a corner, styling, crying, Mm -hmm. dripping milk, pumping in a corner, hysterical. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm here. I'm happy. I'm styling. But I realized that my styling, my love had changed. I wasn't happy at that moment being on set away from Mm -hmm. Amelia at a few months old. I wasn't happy sitting there pumping, feeling like, oh, okay, well, I am doing something as a mom. Don't get me wrong. So my mom that pump and stay with their kids, like good for them. Yes. Not a whole nother job. But I realized that I wasn't happy and that I was like, ha- like emotionally, like just, you know, crippling, like on set. And I was like, what is wrong with me? I wanted to be here. And so, you know, I, I started like asking myself these hard questions of like, why, why are you not happy? Like you're, you're back in it. Like, and your mom's in town, your mother-in-law's in town, so you can work and you can do all these things. Like you have help. It took me hitting my postpartum depression to like realize that like I was no longer like this version of Allie that I thought I was going to be, you know, and I turned to my husband in bed the night that I really, I think came to grips that I was like really going through it. And I said to him, I just feel like I'm mourning the death of myself. And he looked at me and he was like, well, whoa, what, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I get choked up because I feel like I, I didn't really realize that I was going through that. I didn't really realize that like, that was really a thing. I think we don't give ourselves as, as women. And I do. And I talked about this on my podcast, like that we can lose ourselves and we don't even give ourselves credit that like that's happening. Society doesn't even acknowledge that like there's a person who actually really does die. And we have to like acknowledge this new person, even if we end up going into the things we used to do, which many of us don't. We, we just lose so much of us because we've evolved into a whole new woman and, and person. And I think that I didn't realize that. And I just felt like, wow, like, what am I going to do now? Like, who, who is this for Allie? I'll just be a mom. Okay. But like, what happened to the career? What happened to all the things I worked so hard for? Like, where does all that go now? And that was the start of my postpartum depression. And I feel like as hard as it was to go through, I feel like God felt like I had to go through that to like see that darkness and to like, again, like kind of really feel everything because I wasn't letting myself feel. I went right back to the, like, I'm back on set and busy. I'm grinding and busy yeah. and distracted. And I wasn't, I think God was like, Oh, it wasn't enough to like be on the show and like be stripped down and like have everything taken away and become so present that then you got pregnant. Like now you forgot all over again, not even a year later that like you have to be present. Like, and I was forced to be present again so much so that I went through pretty heavy postpartum depression for almost a year. It's hard to learn these lessons when often the behaviors that we are acting in are deep rooted in trauma from the past or belief systems that we've learned from family or teachers or experiences and these patterns and habits that we fall into 
really at some level, at some point we're there to keep us safe. And so it's not like you're consciously like, oh, I'm going to leave my baby now to go work and get really busy and ignore all the feelings that are going on. We're we're doing all of these things at a subconscious level. So we've got to give ourselves some compassion and grace that, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And again, I just feel so many parallels to my own story as you're speaking. And yet I've never heard anybody else really talking about this in this way, because most of the people that are in my circle were so excited to become moms. It was planned. They all have careers, but like it felt more seamless for them. Whereas I felt like I was clinging to my work the one thing that Scott and I would argue about during my pregnancies was me being like, I'm not taking a mat leave. I don't want to go to music class with a bunch of moms that I don't know. I have a great group of friends and I want to just continue doing my work and I'm not taking a formal mat leave. Like I will be there feeding our kids, holding our kids, loving on them, but they will not get a good version of me if I'm just sitting looking at a baby that can't speak 24 seven. And so he was like, yes, but it's just this huge journey for your body and you need to heal. And like, you need to sleep when the baby is being so aware. Wow. He was really on me. And I was just like, no, you're trying to take my career from me. You don't understand. Like and you hang on, right. You and you get like, to go to work. work this away from me. I need to cling on to this and hold yes. on to me. It was like yes. this dead grip that yes. like, even though I was crying on set, it was still like this dead grip of like, no, I'm going to hold on to it. Even if I'm bawling here, I'm pumping milk, dripping everywhere. I can't even get my shit together. Like, I'm just going to sit here and cry, but I'm, but I'm going to just say I'm here. Cause I'm here. And I'm, I was the same way. And, and you don't embrace it right away, right? So because I think we don't embrace right away, which is totally normal, but we feel like isn't normal. Yes. We have so much shame and we have so much guilt and we have so much, so many emotions that like, I know I didn't deal with. And so for me, it was just like, I was just stuck in that, you know, when I went through my postpartum depression, you know, when I sat down in therapy with the postpartum specialist, you know, they said to me, they're like, well, first you need to put your ego aside and you need to like literally take all the pride out of this and you need to take all the like shame, all the things and like say, that you are going through this. And like, there's a reason you're going through this and you're going to get through this. And I was just yeah. like, I couldn't even do that for the first few weeks. It was like, no, I'll go get a massage. No, I'll put my lashes done. No, I'll go get my nails done. Like my husband took Amelia so I could do all these things. And I come home, I feel so refreshed. Yeah, girl, check me out. And an hour later, bawling my eyes out. Right. Like one time I was literally pulling my lash extensions off and he's like, didn't you just get your lashes done? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I was like, what, what, what's wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? I feel like we both have these like grounded, strong husbands that are just yes, the rock. God. And we're like the fucking raging river all around, <laughs> all over the place. So many emotions coming and going and all the things. So thank God for our husbands. And- <laughs> they, they, they knew that we needed them, right? We did. But we also bring a little bit of life and a little yes. bit of like. Completely shake them up in the best way possible. Yeah. Totally. We got to get that stone rolling a little bit. That's (laughs) right. Oh my God. Okay. So tell me a little bit about coming out of postpartum. I had postpartum anxiety and panic attacks from going back to work and pushing myself too hard and burning out and all the things. So tell me a little bit about your journey coming out of postpartum depression and some of the tools that supported you most for any women who are listening right now, who are in that phase and in that stage, what was most supportive to you beyond eyelash extensions and the massage? 
Oh, beyond. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Anyone that's listening, just know it, it looks like different for everybody and you're not alone. It is so much more common than we like to talk about. And like Erin said, she went to the anxiety, like there's so many pieces of anxiety, depression, like there's so many pieces of it. So just know if you're experiencing any of it and someone wants to write it off as like, oh, it'll just be fine. Don't let them. Because that was one of the first things I allowed the medical system to do to me. Oh, it's just baby blues. It'll go away. Oh, do you want to get on medication? It'll go away. And I personally am someone being that I tried to have a natural birth. I'm much more holistic and alternative and whatever, all the things. So I really didn't want to get on medication personally. Now, that being said, anyone listening, if that is something that helps you, then 100% do it because you need to do whatever it takes to be you again, because that is the most important that you are saying you are of sound mind. So you can be good to yourself to be good to your partner and your family and everything else. But for me, I chose to do a little bit harder work in the sense that it was therapy. It was constant meditation. It was journaling. It was affirmations. It was hard conversations with myself, with my feelings, sitting in the mirror and saying all the things that I felt about my body, about my cystic acne I had at the time, because all the things that wasn't Mm. dealing with manifested itself onto my face. Like my face straight up broke out. I mean, I'll never forget my husband being like, look at you're beautiful, but like, what is going on with your face? It was so, because he was trying to be loving and be like, you know what I mean? But it was bad. I mean, it was all over my face and it was cystic. And it was literally because I wasn't dealing with anything and it all showed up on my face. And our hormones are like wild after pregnancy and trying to balance and things. So there's a lot of pieces going on. So much so. And it was all the things plus that that had really like taken over. And so it was like, look in the mirror and say these mean things to myself so that I could get them out and let myself know like, that's not really what you think of yourself, but like, that's what you keep telling yourself inside your head and like destroying that inner voice. Right. And that ego that likes to constantly pop up and really getting conscious. Like they really started working with me at a much higher conscious level of like, every time you hear a voice, you need to talk to that voice and say like, something positive. Every time you have a bad thought, you need to write that bad thought down, not shame yourself for it, but release it. Mm. And it was consistent work of like the meditation, the journaling, the affirmations, the writing down the things I was grateful for, even when I wasn't grateful, when I was super dark and it was just like, I feel like shit and I can't even get out of bed. And all I want to do is nurse Amelia and just lay here all day and go to sleep and pretend like none of this is my reality. I still had to write down the five things that were in that moment. Mm-hmm. I felt grateful for, you know, and all those small little switches. Also, I did CBD. I know that's a little bit controversial for a lot of people that a lot of people be like, what CBD? Oh, whatever. For, right. For me, honestly, 2021 here, folks. Know, right? <laughs> honestly, for me, I would have never believed it unless I had done it. Yeah. It changed everything within a few months. I was back to myself. I want to say back to myself. I was a new version of Allie, a much yes. better, more improved version of Allie. And it was like, oh my gosh, I was starting to feel the feelings again. I wasn't feeling numb. I wasn't trying to numb myself. I was allowing myself to feel, right? And we talk about this so much of like, we have to experience our feelings, right? We have to allow that trauma to release it. But we, for whatever reason, so many of us, and again, obviously myself too, we think that it's easier just to distract. We think it's easier just to keep going. I guess we we push off the inevitable, right? Eventually it's going to come and rear its ugly head, but we just keep telling ourselves, it's fine. Just keep pushing it aside. Just keep pushing it aside. And the universe eventually is like, no, sorry, you're going to deal with this. And that was me, you know, I kept pushing it aside until the postpartum depression. And so at the end, finding the light in the tunnel, doing all those things. And still, by the way, now being, you know, almost two, two and a half years out, out of this now, maybe being three, like I still yeah. have to journal every day. I still yes. have to show up for myself. I, you know, I thank God I don't have to do the CBD that often. If I have a really heavy day, then I do a tincture or rub or something to 
help clear my space. Yeah. I have tapped in so internally to myself that breath work, meditation, affirmations, journaling, all those things. If I set myself up for success, I'm able to then check in even on a hard day. I can say, I'm going to take a few deep breaths. Yeah. And I'm going to realize that this moment is just a moment. These emotions are not meant to last and I can move forward in my day. And that has been the most peaceful thing for me. And, you know, now I do it with my girls. I do affirmations in the mirror with them and we do meditation and it holds me accountable because I'm doing it with them. Yes. And they also experience it. Like my, my toddler literally says to my husband and I, which at the moment, I need to breathe. I need to breathe. And she walks away and she takes a few deep breaths before she comes back to talk to us. And we're like, okay, go breathe. And it's the cutest thing ever. Cause I'm like, wow you're realizing like your strength in feeling it, right? Like, why is it all these beliefs for decades? We've been told like not to feel and not to express and not to share. And we're finally breaking out of that and saying, no, feel it all, heal it, express it, just let it be. And so for me, I think that's also part of my cathartic healing is like, now that I share my social media, it's part of that journey for me. It's part of me being able not only to share, to help myself, but to help others, hopefully, and let them tap into their vulnerabilities and know like, you're not alone, no matter what it is that you're feeling, even if it's not something as heavy postpartum wretched, maybe you just can't get your shit together today because your baby's been teething all night and you can't get a minute of sleep and you feel like you're never going to be the same again. Well, you will be. And everyone says, but really let's go so fast. And like, you will come out of it and you will rise. But the more we share that, right. The more we feel like that's true. And I feel like when I started realizing that and coming out the other side and being at the light at the end of the tunnel and saw myself rising out, it was like, holy shit. Okay. I can be out of the darkness and, and I can still feel, and I can allow myself to still be in this and it's going to be hard. And it's a constant practice and a constant showing up for myself. But now I'm so grateful because I feel like I'm so much more present in my life. And I feel like I really experience things now. And yeah, sometimes emotions are harder and it's harder to feel, but I wouldn't trade any of it. And I think that that's made me be a better mom too, and a better wife and just a better human, you know? And so I would just say for anyone who's listening, you know, like you have to show up for yourself, you know, you have to commit to doing that work and you have to commit to whatever it is that helps you and like really ignites you, makes you feel good. Tap into that and find your fire in that and stay in that and and Mm -hmm. trust in faith over fear because we bury ourselves in fear because it feels comfortable to stay there because we know what fear is. We don't know what everything else is because we don't allow ourselves to go there. And one thing that really resonated with me when I heard it was that you can't suppress one emotion without putting a cap on other emotions. Mm -hmm. So the more we bury our fear or the anger or sadness, whatever it is that we're avoiding, the more we put a cap on the amount of joy and happiness and excitement and peace and calm that we can feel. And so everyone's craving those other feelings, but we kind of got to go through some of the hard, sticky stuff, whether that's through therapy or journaling or meditation, body, all of it it together, all of it for me, (laughs) all of it for absolutely for me, like literally all of it was required, including for me, medication, which was a really big ego check for me. I am going to meditate this and drink all the green juices. And I'm going to get rid of these panic attacks through like what all the tools that I work with clients on. And it wasn't enough to get me even out of bed to look after my two kids. So at some point I had to say, maybe there is a place for Western medicine. Absolutely. There's always a place, right? But you made that conscious decision. I love that you had that check with yourself and said, 
okay, maybe there's a place, you know what I mean? I think that's the difference, right? When you come from a conscious space, when you are in it and you realize like consciously, whatever I'm going to do to show up for myself, that's what I'm consciously deciding versus kind of just like you said, just letting it just happen to you. Yes. You really show up and step out of that and say, it's not going to happen to me. Yes. I'm going to bring this to me. I'm going to be intentional and do this for me, whatever that is or whatever all those things are. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. It has been such a refreshing conversation sitting down with you. And I cannot thank you enough for sharing so openly. Obviously, your journey of motherhood is really just getting started. And so always whenever one of my friends or somebody that I know has a baby, I get so emotional. And my husband's like, you love babies. And I'm like, I do. But what I love even more is witnessing the birth of a mom and seeing Mm -hmm. my friends transition into this new role that I know it's going to transform their life in hard ways and in really beautiful ways. And for some people, it can feel like a death of your old self. There can be some grief. I think every mom at some point has like that moment when they're in the middle of like cleaning shit off the wall and they (laughs) showered and they've got to figure out what didn't. Sometimes I'm just like, do I seriously have to figure out what we're going to eat for dinner every single night for the rest of my life? Like, fuck this. This is annoying as shit where we don't have those moments where you think about your old life, but I would never in a million years trade this one either. Yep. So it's a journey. It is a, it is a journey. journey. Thank uh, you for ongoing sharing <laughs> a piece of your journey. I can't wait for COVID times to be over for us to be able to actually connect in person. And uh, I'm going to be calling you for all the styling tips because clearly you, got it. you know what you're doing over there. <laughs> I love it. And I also feel like as well, it's such a natural progression for you because so many of the women that you dress will be moms and will be dealing with changing bodies. And how do I dress this new body That's or how do I feel now. comfortable yep. and confident and you'll just be the go-to because you get it. And it's so funny you said that because that is happening now. And it's so funny. I love it because so many are also having to check their egos, right? Even as celebs and are like, oh my gosh, this shit is hard. Oh my gosh, my body. And I'm like, I know I'm here. I got you, I girl. I get yes. It. Yeah. So good. Thank you, Allie. If you Thank enjoyed you. listening to this episode, please take a little screenshot, share it on your social media, tag Allie and at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll link to her page and all of her goodness down below. Take what you, what you need from this episode. Leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.